You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. Well, hello there, and happy Thursday to you. It's Andrew Gerza, your favorite disabled person on the internet. Hello, and welcome back to a very long-awaited series that I haven't done for a while that I thought I would bring back to the feed. Welcome to another episode of This Shit Is Real, the series within Disability After Dark where we talk about how poo affects you. This is episode 7 of This Shit Is Real, and I'm excited to tell you all about our guest today. On This Shit Is Real today, I have a really fun and interesting conversation with my friend Jeremy Andrew Davis, who is a multiply disabled person with autism, who is a really cool aspiring film director and and writer who has done some really cool stuff and we we record we recorded an episode of Disability After Dark which you'll hear on this week's Sunday episode which you'll hear in like three days but I he also told me as we were talking he's like oh I also have a lot of of poo stories that I want to share with you could we do an episode of this shit is real and I was like of course we could so we talk a lot about how his experiences of having gut stuff affect him, what it's like to hold your shit in during a pitch meeting about scripts and Hollywood stuff and what that's like, plus so much more. And I just thought it was a really fun interview. And I'm excited for you. Oh, let me try again. I got a frog in my throat there. Really excited for you to hear my episode with him. And I think him talking about poo stuff... One of the things he says in the interview, like with 10 minutes in, he's like, I'm really glad that we are talking about this and thank you so much. And so I'm, I'm so excited to bring his interview about poo to you. So without further ado, here's my interview with Jeremy Andrew Davis on This Shit Is Real. Jeremy Andrew Davis, hi. Hello. We just recorded. We've been talking now for like two hours. We just recorded the first, our well, you guys haven't heard it yet, but we recorded the the Saturday episode, which we'll hear in two days. But we're gonna do we're doing a double whammy this week of Jeremy Andrew Davis is gonna join me for an episode of this shit is real. Hello, I love it. Hi, shitty together. Oh, we're gonna get so shitty together. Get ready, get ready. So I know all about you because we just spoke for an hour, but for anybody who doesn't know who you are, can you introduce yourself a little bit and tell us who you are, what you do? Absolutely. Uh, so I am multi-disabled. I, have, I am autistic, ADHD, CPTSD. Obviously, I have the digestive issues. So irritable bowel syndrome uh, is the, you know, grab all diagnostic. Uh, we don't is know it? what's going on, but you yeah. should yourself. And then... Uh, <laughs> And then kind of paired with that is uh, an overall neurological issue, uh, nervous system imbalance, which actually causes a lot of my irritable bowel syndrome. Um, so what you're so, saying is you have a nervous system imbalance? <laughs> See what I did there? Oh my gosh, that was, that was clutch. That was I mean, perfect. that's goal is perfect. <laughs> did you just pull that out of your ass? I really did, along with other <laughs> stuff that's in there, but I definitely did. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so uh, those are my disabilities. And then I'm also a social media consultant. 
Um, I have clients among some of the largest companies on the planet. I'm also a disability consultant. And then I am a social media influencer myself with a TikTok and all the things. So awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you for wanting to do this. Thank Actually, you so much for having me. You emailed me and we're like, because we were talking about doing doing Saturday's episode and you emailed me back and we're like, I do shit stuff too. If you wanted to like talk about <laughs> that. So like, I'm, I'm, I saw your post going like, hey, you're starting this podcast. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have got to shoot the shit with you. Amazing. Well, let's get, let's just jump right in. So Jeremy, can you describe your gastrointestinal issues and how they play a role in your day-to-day life? Absolutely. So it's interesting. Um, I didn't think of myself as disabled and specifically digestively disabled until uh, a few years ago where I got a better understanding of what disability means. But my parents would even talk about how I was not feeling well in the womb. I don't know how they knew that, but you know, sometimes yeah, wow. parents have sixth sense stuff. Um, and they would also tell me a story when I was an infant, I was colicky and my grandpa would say, I think his, his stomach hurts. And so all growing up, uh, I spent so much time in the bathroom. And it was a constant, it was a constant battle. It was uh, a battle with my parents and, and my parents went back and forth between being um, supportive and not. Yeah. And uh, there's a whole bunch of parent stuff to unpack there. Um, I am now no contact with my parents. It's a pretty, pretty damaged relationship. Uh, and, and this was a common thing of having this duality of supportive, but also then anti-supportive, whatever that word is, which is escaping me right now. <laughs> supportive uh, and then not supportive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I remember going to so many doctor's appointments uh, specific to the digestive issue, as well as all the other disability stuff that I, I dealt with and deal with. But, um, like I remember going to the doctor and then him going, well, for irritable bowel, we suggest taking more fiber. And so we'd try fiber pills and I'd be in so much more pain and I'd have much more diarrhea, you know, Hershey squirts, all the symptoms. Oh yeah. Got worse. Uh, the, the immediacy of like running to the bathroom and not getting there in time. And so I would stop and my parents would side on the side of the doctors and not listen to me of like, but the doctor said, so you've got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. And um, I was uh, a rule follower, which is typical of many autistics. And so I I'd do it some more and I get worse. And so there was this back and forth. We'd go back to the doctor and say, hey, this isn't working. And he's like, well, try doubling the fiber. Oh, no. <laughs> more of it. And uh, so, like, this was my childhood. Um, and there was, even when my parents were meaning well, there was gaslighting. And there was invalidation of my experiences. And I'm a parent now, and I, I understand the struggle of, like, I don't know what to do for my kid. Thankfully, my kids um, don't have the issues that I had. 
Um, but you know, you go to a medical professional and you're like, they tell me this. So I'm, yeah, I'm going to enforce that. But, um, yeah, to avoid getting more into the parental stuff, which this, this kind of parental back and forth, creating an environment that is invalidating and unsafe has actually been proven to dysregulate the nervous system and cause things like irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah. So it's not the source of irritable bowel for everybody, but that can actually cause it. So um, that was a lot of my childhood. Uh, and I have several stories that I'm sure I'll, I'll get to share <laughs> in this as well. But my, my current state, um, I have about seven years ago, I started a neurological treatment that has helped with the negative symptoms of all of my disabilities. There's also positive things, like especially with autism, there's some really amazing things that I am because of my autism. Yeah. But uh, things like sensory overload and irritable bowel syndrome and those kinds of things, there's been easing of the symptoms. Um, and so I still have periods of gastric distress um, stress flares up my symptoms. Um, I have social anxiety. And so like coming on and doing a podcast, I'm experiencing some cramping, some bloating. Oh no, right now. Oh no. Right now. Of course. Um, and like, it's totally worth it. But at the same time, it also creates like both the, the, digestive issues but also like the sensory overload and things like that I have to set aside time um and mental and emotional space for a few days before and a few days after any kind of like so I'm a filmmaker and I'm I'm pursuing screenwriting and directing and so I'm meeting with Hollywood executives and producers and agents but my peers are like, they do like five, 10 meetings in a day and they'll do that several days. And I'm like, Hey, I've got to block out a week because I have one 10 minute meeting. Yeah. Um, and so like I have the, the cramping and the cold sweats and all that leading up to the meeting, I'm kind of a wreck in the meeting and masking all of my symptoms and like, I'm all, I also have the anxiety of like, am I going to have to go, Hey, I need to run to the shitter real quick and <laughs> squirt some stuff out. Cause this is just flushing through me. Um, and, and like <laughs> with all of these digestive issues, you kind of get trained to have an iron sphincter. Oh yeah. Or not. It only goes so far. Like there's a tipping point where there's, there's just no holding it back. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, like you just clench and sweat through it. And then immediately after the call's over, you run and take care of things. Or sometimes you shit yourself in the middle. I remember I did a talk yep. in, I was in Iowa some years ago, pre-pandemic. And I was having the, it was two weeks before I discovered I had C. diff. And I didn't know what was going on. And I had to go to this, I had to fly to Iowa and like, Two days before Iowa, I shit myself. I was like, mm. oh, that's, that's weird. But it could just be, 
it could just be my body, whatever. So I get to Iowa because they're paying me like money. And I was like, I have to, I got to do it. And this is before Zoom was the acceptable way to do things. So yeah. I went, I I was fine getting to the venue. Everything's okay. And then as I got up there, I started to not feel good. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. But I'm already here. I have to, I can't, I cannot present. I have to give an hour and a half talk now. I better just do it. So I'm doing it. I'm iron sphinctering through. And then halfway through my talk, my body goes, all right, it's time. Mm. And so I did it. And this is a talk about sex and disability. And I was talking about how hot sex and disability was. Well, I'm like <laughs> quietly sitting, shitting myself in my wheelchair, just thinking like, okay. And I'm the whole time I have to be talking about how great it is to fuck a disabled person, but also being like, how can I talk about this when I'm in the middle of this right now? <laughs> right. And, and it's one of those things where it's like society has this aversion to it where it's this taboo. And it's like, why can't you talk about sex while you're shitting yourself? Like, yeah. Why, why is that a thing? That Can we, we get that to... on the shirt, please? Can we get, why can't you talk about sex when you're shitting yourself? Can we, I want, <laughs> somebody make that a shirt that I can wear. With... <laughs> um, and, and like from, from experiences like we've had, w- this stuff just becomes normalized to us because I was like, well, it's shit. Um, it's like, a, it's a normal human thing. Yeah. Like, okay. It smells bad. It's sticky. It's weird. It's sticky, you know, it's uncomfortable. Like, but, but like, that's it. There's not like this. It's not the boogeyman. It's not some immoral thing that we have to shame people over. See, but the, people this do. Yeah. This is the part I think that we have to get to. Um, yeah, that we 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 know intellectually it's not immoral. Emotionally, when it's happening to either of us, like I don't know, it's when it's happening. I'm like, oh, this is the worst. I'm the worst. Like, yeah. And as a disabled person, There's that here, internal ableism, so much, so much. And one of the things that you were touching on made me think of another question. Um, when you're in, when you're doing that at a pitch meeting, and you're like gonna shit yourself. How how do you mask? I'm gonna shit myself. Like, what are your masking? What are your masking mechanisms? Um, <laughs> uh, there's pucker position. <laughs> oh, what's that? Uh, so like, I'll adjust myself in my chair and like take one cheek and try to like. So I'll angle the butt over. <laughs> and pinch it in and then I'll try to angle the other cheek over and pinch it in so like I have clenching assist, <laughs> <laughs> clenching assist. I love it and, and then two in the physics of it you've now created more space between the hole and the underwear so that yeah. if you do shit it's like still in the crack and you're not just like seeping <laughs> You know, your underwear isn't absorbing it. It depends on how much comes out. But like, yeah, you're just like, okay, I've I've got to kind of create some space in there to give me some room. Amazing. Amazing. I got to like kind of pause this and go, this is so freeing to actually talk about because I've never. That's part of the reason why I wanted to do the show. Because I was like, 
we need to fucking talk about this. Yes. So, like, I, and one of in my own personal emotional journey with with all of my disability stuff is I'm becoming more and more vocal about and, and transparent. I'm just like, if it's happening in a pitch meeting, and I feel like I need to say something. I feel like now I'm better equipped to do that. Good. It, it's, it's harder in a shorter pitch meeting, but typically it doesn't happen in a short pitch meeting. Sometimes these pitch meetings are, you literally book eight minutes. Eight minutes? Eight, wow. eight minutes. And it's just like, okay, I have to present who I am as a person, what my idea is, why it's My elevator good. pitch, why it's good. And then I got to get yeah, out of there. Yeah. In eight minutes, which is a whole nother subject. Um, but like, okay, if you have like a 30, 20, 30 minute and you're like, Hey, I've got disabilities. And then if you're like, Hey, I've got disabilities with digestive issues. And I just want to let you know that I shit myself right now because of stress. (laughs) Like if they don't respond positively to that, Hey, I don't want to work with you. So we already got that out of the way. I I wish that I had the balls to say that in it when I'm doing it, giving a talk or when I'm doing something, I don't have the balls to do that yet, but I, but I, I wish that I did. I, I did. It hasn't because of my improved neurological stuff. I haven't had to. And, and, you know, the subconscious programming is so much ingrained that oftentimes it's running in the background of just like, okay, I'm about to fart. I've got to do the opposite of the sphincter assist and spread the cheeks so I can do it silently. And they're not going to know because thank God for zoom and, Google uh, me. Like, thank God for the pandemic in, in a weird <laughs> sort of way. Like, right. Not that I'm saying I like the pandemic, but I'm saying like, thank goodness that this is what we do now. It's done some really horrible things for the disabled community, but it's also enabled some wonderful things to come out of it. And yeah. so it's like, hooray for this shitty tragic thing. But yeah, like being able to work remote has enabled me to work. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, in these meetings, I'm like, okay, I got to do silent but deadly. Thank God it's only deadly for me. <laughs> you know, you're talking about farting a minute ago. And I, you know, as somebody who lives with constant IBS and I can't, like, you have the physical ability to be able to run and, like, clean yourself up if you need to. I don't have that. Luckily, yeah. so I, I play this game with my sphincter where it's like, I can feel the fart coming from my high intest, from my, like, higher colon and I'm like is it gonna be a fart or am I gonna like and you play that game with your mind where you're like okay am I gonna mm-hmm. am I gonna have an explosion right now or am I gonna be okay yeah and <laughs> it's like playing Russian roulette it really is only there's more than one bullet <laughs> yeah there's so many possible bullets oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. um oh. what is something about all this and having gastro issues that you find disabling that other people really don't understand yeah um and and i'm gonna go to the social model versus the medical model here and for anybody who's listening who's not familiar the the medical model is people with disabilities there's something wrong with you we're gonna try to fix it but if we can't well then you're kind of just less than um And the social model is the opposite of that, of society is what causes disability through lack of accommodation, 
through uh, improper balance of expectations, things like that. The analogy that I like to use for the social model is what if we took the Superman story and flipped it on its head? Instead of a superpowered alien coming to Earth and having all of these supernatural abilities, what if a human goes to Krypton and everybody has Superman abilities? Like the whole society would be built so differently. There wouldn't be cars because everybody could fly at a million miles an hour. And so like, imagine having a job. It's like, why are you late for work again, human? Well, I can't fucking fly at a million miles an hour. I've got to bum a ride off of somebody and try to get them not to liquefy my bones flying at a million miles an hour to get me to work. (laughs) Um, And so like, what would be a society that was built around disability inclusion? Well, people with disabilities would have equal opportunity and equal empathy and equal everything. I mean, let's take that a step further. What would be a society built around digestive disability? Yes. There would be a fucking toilet on every corner. You wouldn't have to pay to have any kind of toilet. There would be every size of bathroom that there needed to be. It It wouldn't, I mean... Wouldn't that be amazing if we took the idea of building a society around digestive disability like that? I mean, you and I talked and you'll, you'll hear on Saturday, we talk about the kind of scripts that you want to produce. Yeah. Um, what the fuck? Like that's, we should write that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and like at the very basic of, of, addressing society's digestive disability ableism is the intolerance on the surface level of like farting you know like everybody farts and like you fart and it's just like okay I I want it to be a non-issue yeah and like that alone is such an insurmountable hurdle that we got to get to, to even be able to have the conversation about a toilet on every corner. Yeah. And and so uh, one thing that that brings up for me that relates to how digestive stuff is disabling to me is so like, I love being able to shit at home. I hate having to shit in public. I Uh, can't shit in public. (laughs) Yeah. Like accessibility for you is like, I, I also love shitting at home, but I cannot physically, if I go out, I can't shit in public. So, I mean, I could if I wore a diaper or if I just decide to just fucking go, like let it out. But like, you know, I can't. So, but I totally understand also the anxiety of like, when I'm in my home, I need to be alone. I need mm-hmm. to be, no one needs, no one can be there. And like getting over that anxiety of shitting yourself with somebody needing to be in the room is really hard. Yeah. Yeah. But sorry, I Um, cut you off. You're saying, so you need to be home. (laughs) Um, So something at at home, when I'm experiencing a period of diarrhea or loose stool. So here, (laughs) another tangent, here's my ADHD operating. Um, I want there to be the kind of descriptors of shit that the, uh, the native Alaskans have for snow. There's like 53 different words for snow or something like that. Um, and like, 
I'm trying to describe my shit to doctors or like my wife or whoever needs to understand what it's like and what I'm going through. And I'm coming up with all these different words of like <laughs> consistency. And so there's mud butt and then there's, you know, Hershey's like, words. And then there's like thick shits and then there's like, you know, chunky. Then there's like balls, and then the, yeah, I know I, I play that game too. And they're like, well, "What is it like?" And I'm like, uh, and I, you know, I I do a thing where when I shit, I make my attendant care. That's when I'm done I, before I get off the toilet. I make the attendant care worker show me it because I don't shit in the toilet. I shit like in my bed, basically where I can where I have control because toilets mm-hmm. are not accessible to me. So yay! So mm-hmm. I make the attendant care worker show me it so that I can record the consistency and then be like, today was this. And you're right. It is so hard to find the right language for how do I describe this to you? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm jumping around tangents-wise, but so the the being able to describe it, when I'm having anywhere from mud butt to Hershey squirts or anything like that, where like you normal people they just like take toilet paper they wipe once maybe twice with a couple of squares and that's it right the the what um the fuck what is that what do you mean yeah two little squares for me it's a whole fucking thing of wipes that before i've done yeah um and so like at home there's a sink right in front of the toilet and so i take care of the large stuff whatever it is that's in the hair and everything, <laughs> you know, cause especially men have good bit of hair back around that hole. I don't know why. Thank you. Creator, whoever, you know, who's I mean, responsible for this idea. <laughs> I mean, not to go in a totally different direction there, but <laughs> I'm going to do it now. Cause whatever. Yeah, it's good. Sometimes when it's not full of shit, we like queer men who are sleep with men like hair in that hole so (laughs) there are reasons yeah in terms of the shit part it's like this is really inconvenient get get out of my way you're you're holding on to stuff i don't want to hold on to it's a clinger yes and and we need so many words for different kinds of clingers too right is it Um, like one that you're okay with or is it one that's going to come out right now is it hanging on inside there and you don't know like there's so many different Yeah. yeah you're right do you like Star Trek? Because I got all kinds of Klingons. I mean, I do like Star Trek. I do. I'm a nerd. I do. Too. I do. Um, um, so, so at the at the toilet in front of the sink, so I'll do my first pass wipes, which may be several wipes to get the big stuff. And then with my pants around my ankles, I'll waddle the few steps forward to my sink with a handful of toilet paper that I'll then get wet and then I'll waddle backwards to the toilet and do the wet cleaning and then put that in the toilet. And sometimes I make several trips for wet toilet, uh, toilet, wetting the toilet paper until it's clean, clean. And then I do my dry pass of more toilet paper to dry my ass. And then I put it, you know, I flush and then waddle back back to the sink because I've got shit on my hands. I don't want to pull my pants up and get shit on my pants. So I waddle yeah. back to the sink. I wash my hands. And then I then I waddle over. <laughs> I typically don't want to get the water on my pants because with my autism, I have a lot of sensory stuff. So if I have wet, 
Hello. Uh, wet pants, I'm just like really uncomfortable. So then I waddle across the bathroom to my towel, dry my hands, then I pull my pants up. If I'm in a public restroom, I can't do any of that shit. I'm yeah, like, well, I'm walking around with shit in my hole for the remainder of the day until I get back home. Um, and so that pairs more with the sensory stuff and then the hyper ingrained masking with autism, I am keenly aware of the shit in my hole. I don't know if I've become desensitized to smell. So I don't know if other people can smell me. And somewhere in my mind, it tells me other people know that you have shit in your hole. <laughs> and, and so then there's the rejection sensitivity dysphoria that comes with ADHD and autism and all those neurodivergencies to where I'm yeah. like, people hate me because I can't wipe my ass right now. Oh my God, you, the th- you, what you just said, like switched on a thing for me that's like, I feel that every day. Yeah. Like, I feel that as I'm talking to you right now. Like, <laughs> if he was here, we were hanging out. What do you hate me? Because I might shit myself. And I would love you all the more. <sighs> and and but, that's, that's like, that's what I want other people to have with their view of shit and piss and you know, for, for women out there with periods, like it should just be normalized where it's like not a thing. It's a thing that's accepted. Yeah. I mean, I think for people who, for people who bleed and people who have periods, I think like, you know, it is really important that we, we normalize it and we make it something that is okay. And I think we're not there with shit yet. Yeah. We're not there with shit or with periods or any of that. Any stuff. bodily fluids, really. Yeah. Um, so, like, tell me more about, like, other than you having the rejection sensitive dysphoria to the to shit in your hole, what are some of the ways, what are some of the other ways that people that you have this gastro thing that people don't quite understand? Well, I'll tell some stories. I'm ready. Um, so, in high school, my senior year, um, I had a video production class because I've always wanted to be a filmmaker and director. So of course I'm in video production. Of course. And, and looking teacher, at you and I can see you on camera right now and looking at you, you're just the right amount of nerd for that. So I'm not, when, the minute I saw you, I love that compliment. we started recording today. I was like, Oh yeah, this makes this tracks a hundred percent. Yeah. And do you see, I have a star Trek, enterprise thing behind me oh amazing you're such a nerd i'm here for it yeah i love it um so the the it was a three period long class which was great but he turned the last period into study hall which was really frustrating because i wanted to learn all that aside we're sitting in there he's in his office not even in the classroom and i farted and it was a real stank ass one I, it was silent, but it was deadly. <laughs> and so some of the other students reacted and I already had a, I was known for farting. So they didn't even ask. Oh if, no, you were known for farting? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I had a reputation for smelly ass farts because like that was my reality for my whole childhood and most of adulthood. For your whole childhood. <laughs> hole yes the the hole in my childhood uh, <laughs> the asshole in my childhood was me 
smelly <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so they're like jeremy ew like god man and i don't remember what joke it was but i made a joke of it and they laughed and it kind of released the, the tension yeah but they're, they're and like people are playing fucking solitaire on their computers like nothing was being interrupted and there was like seven of us in the class. So it wasn't like I was causing a commotion among 35 people. The teacher comes out and comes over and gives and pulls me into the hallway and gives me detention. The wait, your teacher gave you farting. detention if you farted? Yes. And I'm like, I I have a digestive condition. I'm diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome. I cannot control it. Like literally the gas pressure builds up in my intestines where I cannot hold it back. It comes out. And if I do try to hold it back, I have so severe cramps that it causes cold sweats, flushing, you know, such pain, like those cramps. I had them lying on the floor. Can't move. I had them yesterday. I had a, Oh. I decided to have um, a peanut butter something bar and I was like, oh, I'll be all right. And like <laughs> yep. 20 minutes later, I was in my chair. If I could have been on the floor, I would have been. I was in yeah. my chair like, I'm just not going to move. I'm going to stay yeah. for the whole rest of the day because if I move or breathe or laugh or do anything, I will die. Yeah. And you're like trying to breathe as shallowly as possible, not to like trigger the shooting pain. Yeah. You're like, what do I, how do I? What do I do? Okay, okay. I'll just take a little breath. Yep. Breath in and hope to God that it goes away. (laughs) Yeah. And and actually thinking back on this, I developed a whole breathing normalcy of like just always shallow breathing because any deep breathing would send shooting pain through my intestines. Oh no. Just my whole life. And so thankfully in the last seven years of, of having the treatment that I have, I've been starting to retrain my breathing so i'm doing larger breaths but like being in band and choir was sometimes torturous i mean i feel like there's you know we talked about scripts you could write i feel like there are two possible scripts here there's Um, so many there's a porn script called (laughs) my my whole life that i 100 percent want to write yeah where gastrointestinal issues sex and shit happen but there's a There's a teen high school dramedy in there called My Whole Life, where like some 17 year old kid. Oh my God, that's perfect. With gastro issues is trying not to shit themselves every day at school. Oh my gosh. And My Whole Life is the perfect title because it's not too on the nose, but it's also hilarious. Yeah, it's like right in the middle. We should. (laughs) You should write that. I would write that with you. Okay. I'm down for it. Let's figure it out. (laughs) <laughs> that is the, it's outside my usual genre but i could totally rock that i mean straight from my own personal lived experience i mean we could shoot it like a euphoria episode <laughs> and we could make it really like serious and cool but also like hilarious yeah i'm here for it i'm here for it. so many possibilities so, so yeah so he brings me out into the into the hallway he's like you have detention i explain it to him and he's like well i've not i didn't know you had this like I don't have to fucking disclose my fucking disability to you. Yeah. Walking into the, the classroom. Like what? I have to come in and just disclose on the first day of school all of my issues to every teacher? No, fuck you. And so he's like, well, I'm sorry. Like, 
you have detention. <laughs> and he so still gave you detention? Yeah, so he gave me detention for farting and for mm-hmm. causing a scene in the class by telling a joke. So my mom, this is where her toxicity also had some benefit, but also came at a cost. She wrote this scathing handheld or a handwritten letter to him <laughs> of just like plastering his ass to the wall, which he definitely deserved. But so, so in it, she said, my son had three choices of how to handle this. Number one, he could lie, which is morally we teach is not right. Two, he could be the pariah, which he's already is a bit because of this issue. And he could suffer because of the social annexation that would happen because of his farting and he would live with shame and guilt and and isolation. Or three, he could do what he did and make a joke of it and have at least some sort of levity and approach the potential for camaraderie with the people who are being mean to him. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm like, okay, that part of the response was amazing. But she nailed him so much to the wall that he didn't speak to me for the whole rest of the year. Oh no, that's almost worse. (laughs) To the point where he didn't come to me and say, hey, I haven't gotten your assignment. He sent another student to come to me to tell me that he needed my assignment. (laughs) Wow. Which I had turned in, but he had misplaced. He outsourced his teaching Right, he outsourced his teaching to me so he didn't have to speak to the disabled guy with farty issues. (laughs) Um, I mean, that's a pretty great story. Yeah. Do you have have any other fun? I have so many stories. I'm so ready. Let's go. Um, So then to transition more into my filmmaking career, um, it becomes really uncomfortable. And a part of me has empathy for the other people, but it it really comes down to like, what is the response and how big is the response and how do you go about the response? So being a filmmaker, I'm on set. And sometimes you have to be in very small enclosed spaces with really fucking hot lights that are being, and this was back before LEDs. Yeah. Like these are halogen bulbs cranking out the it's basically like sitting next to a heater and each one of these lights is a heater and it's in the middle of summer it's 90 degrees already outside and so in this tiny little room it's got to be 110 everybody's sweating their asses off and i hadn't known what foods were my triggers at the time oh isn't that a fun game isn't that a really fun Yeah, yeah. Um, Which if we have time, I can talk about some of my journey with finding those out. But um, the, the, we're in this room, we're, it's a, you know, film sets, you have 16 hour days is kind of the norm. And sometimes like, I remember on this film, we had a 23 hour day, just filming for 23 hours. Um. And so there's like 20 people shoved in here, all crammed together, and I can't hold it. And I let out a silent fart. Deadly. 
and it was fucking deadly. And on film sets, like, you don't have a refrigerator, and processed food, especially at that time, did not do well for me. And also working long hours would also exacerbate my distress, uh, my symptoms, uh, lack of sleep. So it was just like all the bad. Yeah. Which even if it wasn't all the bad and it was the best case scenario and I let out a fart, I still get this response. So yeah, it was, it was a pretty nasty fart, but like, here's me being used to going like, let's roll through. Let's keep pushing. And like every, it, it was like, I set off a stick of dynamite and everybody was running for their lives. Like people were tripping over chairs and lights to get out of the room. Come on. And then there was just this big scene of like, fuck Jeremy, like, can't you hold it? And like <laughs> people throwing temper tantrums. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at the, the absurdity yeah. of what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> And just like, and, and this isn't just like a one-time event that I has happened to me once. It's happened numerous, numerous, numerous times on different sets. Um, thankfully, now I choose the people who work on my sets and I'm in charge of the fucking set. So like, I'm the one hiring people to come on. And so when it happens, I'm like, hey, um, you know, I have digestive issues. I understand if you do need to leave and kind of get some fresh air while it clears out, <laughs> do what you need to do. But like nobody's making a scene. And if anybody does make a scene, I talk to them about it. Um, and I'm gentle and I'm uh, encouraging. Oh, I, I wouldn't be gentle. I'd be like, I fucking shit myself. You're going to deal with it. And you're going to move on. Um, and yeah, I, sometimes I want to do that, but I also know that when that does happen, it changes the whole mood. Oh yeah, of course. And performances are affected and everything. And I think and, that's, I yeah. think it can be really hard when you are, because we have such a, such a, a nervousness around poo and a nervousness around gastro anything that the, our natural inclination is to make a joke or laugh about it laugh at somebody for doing it yeah and like i wish that people would understand the stress for us is living with gastro stuff especially you know i just recently filmed by the time this comes out i don't know but i recently filmed uh the the queer as folk scene yes. so awesome and in the scene you don't know this yet but i'm gonna tell you now <laughs> in the scene i had to be in a sling and somebody had to pretend to eat my ass out. That's what they wanted me to do. So I said yes right away. No problem. Sure. Cool. Iconic. Important. Yes, I'll do it. So I do it. The moment comes. I'm up there in the sling. I am clenching and masking my... I'm so scared yeah. that I'm going to shit on the... And the guy that he had me with was muscular and built and really attractive and a nice guy. But so we're not, nothing happens. It's all film. It's all fake. But he's underneath me pretending to do, to rim me basically. And so I had to make all these faces like I was enjoying it. And I did that, I think. But I was also like, holy fuck. What if I shit on this guy's head right now? What do I do? And I remember I I was there with my mom. 
And before we shot, I just kind of pulled her aside and I was like, mom, what, what, what do I, what happens if I shit on this guy? And she was like, oh, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. It'll be fine. She's like, if you do, we'll clean it up and we'll just keep going. And so I was really grateful for that, but I couldn't imagine telling the, the director and all the people there that, Hey, I have a digestive thing. I'm really scared. And so when they pitched me being in the sling to do this, even on the phone calls before I flew out there, I said yes. And I kept saying yes. But inside I was like, holy fuck. Yeah. What do I do? How do I, how, what if, what if something happens? And what did they, and all that stuff we talked about earlier about like, you know, rejection dysphoria, you worrying about shit in your hole. I was worrying about, they already think I'm disabled. They already know I'm disabled. So yeah. They already have these preconceived notions about what somebody in a wheelchair can and can't do. And if I shit myself on set of this big TV show, like, what am I going to do? And so I had so much anxiety about that. I can't even tell you. And and there's this, like, if if you mention it ahead of time, because I I know some people would be like, well, just you got to disclose that. But it's so ingrained in us because of the ableism that we've experienced. There's a trauma response. Oh, yeah. To hide. like if I mention this, this could end it. Yeah. If I mention anything, like, like, and I, I've said this a lot in my tweets about my chronic illness with IBS. And I really do think it's a chronic, I mean, I really do think I'm chronically ill. And so I'm starting to like slowly accept that. And I, I say this all the time. I'm like, I know how to be disabled. I know how to be a wheelchair user. I know how to do all that. I've done that for 38 years. I have no fucking clue how to be chronically ill. I don't have a clue. Yeah. And there, there's no manual. Yeah. And especially for a situation like that, like, who do you go to for advice? Like, <laughs> I might shit on somebody on set. How do I handle this? There's, you've got to make up the rule book. Yeah. I was, I have never been more scared. And you know, you know, you know, you're, you're a director. So you know how <laughs> scenes work. It's yeah. not, it's not a one and done. It's like, you're in that, I was in that position for probably an hour. Yeah, maybe an hour and a half doing it over and over again. Exhausting. And every single time I did it and I did, you know, I made the sex phases. I did what I had to do. But in the back of my mind, I was like, this dude underneath me pretending to do this isn't ready for if I shit on him, if I fart on him, if I have any kind of disability issue right now. Like I would, I was so scared that these all these queer, non-disabled queers, and there were some disabled queers in the room, of course, but the majority of people were not disabled. So I was like, if I do this, everyone's going to know that the disabled guy shit himself on the set of queers. So, like, what do you, what do you, how do you do? Yeah. And how do you manage, like, like, how would they react to it? I'm sure there would be a spectrum of reaction between, like, total ableism side to empathy but you don't know where people are going to fall and how it's going to affect relationships and you know will this negatively color people's experiences with wanting to work with disabled performers in the future yeah or like me again like you know would somebody want to hire me or not hire me because i shot myself on queer spoke so like 
that whole time, the whole time I was doing it, I'm so glad I can finally talk about it because the whole time I was doing it, I was so afraid of that. And it never happened. And I was fine. But I was so scared that this would happen. And does your anxiety make some of those things worse? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh man. So, so like I haven't seen the scene yet. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what, how they shot it. I have no idea. I'm waiting until you know, by the time you guys listen to this, you'll have seen it. But I'm waiting until it comes out to see. But I was so scared. So when you watch it and you see my face, you can all know that I was terrified. <laughs> That's where masking comes in handy so much. We make great actors. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um yeah. so your story about people running out of the room and being like, you know, being super ableist about your digestive stuff. I mean, that kind of sucks. Do you, and it, but it was, it was funny. Do you have a less funny story you could share about that? Um, well, and, and it wasn't funny at the time. It's funny now. I, it was really, really upsetting at the time. Um, but it, it's like one of those things that with, with our, our reality as disabled people are one of our best coping mechanisms is to find the humor in it. And so like, I don't know if you feel that your experience on queer as folk is funny now, but like, it's, it's that like, wow, it's tragic, but it's also hilarious. It's funny now that I've said it to you. Yeah. It wasn't funny when it was happening. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I so know that feeling. Um, I think some of the more tragic experiences I've had that aren't really funny are, are work-related. I've lost so, so many jobs because of my hole. <laughs> um, and, and actually both ends, like my IBS has come up through vomit too. Um, I had, thankfully a lot of it has healed. We, we've done a lot of neurological healing so that I don't have the acid reflux anymore, but my esophagus was grade two worn away. And they're like, you got to do something or it's, you're not going to have an esophagus because so much acid comes up. I was having free reflux on an empty stomach. Oh no. Just like perpetual volcano yeah yeah Yeah. um and so there were at least two jobs that I got fired from because I threw up on the job and like had to go oh oh more than that more than that so I I did some freelancing work I've done a lot of freelancing work in the industry and um digestive issues and the vomiting paired with that um I I would go on these shoots and they wouldn't have food that would accommodate me and I have to eat something. So uh, another factor is I have a super, super high metabolism. There was a time of five years where I was eating 5,000 calories a day and losing weight. Wow. Yeah. So like I'd bring food with me and I'd just be constantly eating while I was on camera, which, you know, they'd be like, Hey, don't do that. And I'm like, I got to do it anyway. Like yeah, in my right. mind, I'm going, fuck you. But, um, and man, accommodation has come along a long way in the, let's see, 
20, 22 years since I started. Um, and so especially early on, like I was doing a lot of freelancing work. And so I'd work with the Cleveland Cavaliers. I did ABC's Miracle Worker. I was doing all sorts of different stuff, but then I'd have digestive issues and I have to run off set to the bathroom to either like empty the bowels out of one hole yeah. or out of the other. And uh, I, I, when I started, I was at the top of their call list because I did good work and I was doing jib operation, which was a specialty. Um, so I was running a 25 foot jib with a camera on the end. And then I'd be like, Hey, I, I gotta like put this, uh, there, there was a little thing that you attached to the end so you could walk away from this thing. Cause it's, yeah. it's a dangerous bit of equipment if somebody's swinging around on it or whatever, um, which was me swinging it around. But, um, I, I go and use the bathroom and they'd be like, you can't leave the camera. Cause a lot of this stuff was live. Um, and I'm like, Hey, I, I completely understand, but like, I'm not shitting myself. I take your pick. Yeah. Um, and so I stopped getting calls and I stopped being able to do any freelance work because wow. they saw me as unreliable. And yeah. So like and after I, think- I graduated college in 2004, I was getting a lot of work. Like I started freelancing in 1999, but I was doing it while I was in school. So I wasn't as, uh, I wasn't like relying on it for my income, but after th- 2004 freelancing was all I was doing. And at the beginning I was really ramping up and getting these big productions and networking. And then within the space of six months, everything dried up and wow. I wasn't getting work anymore. Um, because all people, because of your hole, because of my hole. <laughs> That I mean, that's tough, and I think I think we really have to address the ableism in the industry in that way. Yeah. yeah. And like freelancing in 2022, we freelance most disabled people freelance because yeah. of the accessibility of that. Yeah. Like, um, in in 2016, I started my uh, neurological regimen, and I was finally able to work full time. Uh, in between, so there was a, a number of years where I was 80% bedridden, uh, and that led up to 2016 when I got treatment. And then within nine months, I was able to get the job at Flight Test, where I was uh, the showrunner for the YouTube channel. I was on camera talent, those kinds of things. But and I'm I'm actually a little nervous, even though I haven't worked there in two years. This is the first time that I'm specifically publicly speaking out against some of my experiences there. I've mentioned it without mentioning flight test in the past before, but like so much ableism uh, in the leadership of the company. And so one of the experiences, what's that? I said flight test, do better. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, And so one of the issues that I had was there's certain kinds of soaps that my skin reacts to. And the, so there's a corporation that owns flight test and their corporate policy was that all the soap that they use has to be antibacterial, even though there's no science that says that it's any better. 
And so I'm like, I can't, I can't use this soap. You need to provide accommodation to provide me soap that I can use in the fucking bathroom yeah. to clean my hands because I have to wash my hands after using the bathroom. Not only because that's a, you know, Come corporate policy, yeah. but like washing your hands. And also, like, I can't even that. fulfill the corporate policy of washing my hands because my skin will break out. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> their response was, well, you can buy your own and supply it. What? had experienced so much ableism by this point this was towards the the latter end of me working there i'm just like i'm so exhausted from fighting with hr over every tiny little thing i will buy the five dollar fucking thing of soap for the fucking bathroom yeah just to avoid this fight but like i could totally sue your ass and you should sue and i and but it's it's one of those especially with people like me who one of my symptoms for my neurological thing is just fatigue and pain like i don't have the emotional energy to want to have to go through court like that would fuck me up neurologically all the stress of that you'd be shitting forever and ever like i want somebody else to take them to court on my behalf but i don't have the accessibility to be able to take them to court for myself. But like, I can't believe you had to leave those companies because of your hole. Yeah. Like, and because of poo. And like, yeah. I think that, that really kind of centers in what I, what I want to get in with the series is like, it's more than just funny bathroom stories. There's yeah. so much emotional stuff yeah. that goes along with it that people don't understand. And like the fact that Hollywood and film and this industry can't accommodate poo when they can make movies about it and like comedy series about it and all this stuff, but they can't accommodate its reality is, is really upset. Yeah. They can make a joke out of it, but they can't handle it also in a serious way. Like it's okay if you incorporate humor into it as well, of course, have this, have some of the seriousness to it. And some of the humor just makes fun of people who have digestive issues. Yeah. Um, like I, I was watching a Netflix movie just the other night. What was it called? Um, Love Guaranteed. I was watching Love Guaranteed. And this guy is going on all of these internet dates. Yeah. And one of his awful dates was this woman who has all these digestive issues and shows she's like going through the menu, struggling to find something that, she can eat but it's presented in a way of like oh my gosh this person is so, so terrible horrible. yeah yeah and it's like no she's got fucking digestive issues like you should be having empathy for her and giving her fucking accessibility yeah right i mean um, I, it's played off for jokes when it should be yeah when it should be played off a little bit more serious yeah and well, i you I know have to laugh but put the laugh in there but make it like less about her yeah more about the situation um my last question for you yeah on this shit is real and thank you so much for coming on today it was so fun oh this is this is so awesome thank you for having me what is the realest thing about your gastrointestinal issues that you want to share 
Hmm. What is the realest thing? That it's human. It's a part of being human. Everybody at some point in their life, whether it's chronic or whether it's uh, you know getting a stomach flu, will experience this. Yeah. And so we should have empathy and not judgment for it. And like just because somebody experiences it on a daily or minute by minute basis does not make them less than and it actually makes it so that if you don't have that experience it's you're part of the solution to providing accommodation accessibility and a safe environment to have this reality of human expression yeah well, I've never, I've never thought of my shitting as a reality of human expression before, but now I, now I will. Uh, <laughs> um, I had so much fun today. Thank me you too. for for normalizing this conversation, talking about it with me, and saying your whole bunch of times. Hilarious. <laughs> uh, but so, Jeremy Andrew Davis, how do the people get a hold of you? I mean, I know they're going to hear our episode coming out on Saturday, yes. but if they want to follow more of you, how do they do that? Uh, the easiest way to find all the different connections to my content, uh, both my screenplays, the short films I've produced, as well as my TikTok, where I talk about my experiences with disability, including digestive issues, uh, is on my website. It's jeremyandrewdavis.com, all one word. Nice. I'll make sure that all of that's in the show notes. We're going we're gonna to hear more from you on Saturday. So everybody listening, stay tuned. There's more of Jeremy and Andrew, well, of, of Jeremy, Jeremy and Andrew and Andrews, <laughs> yes, Jeremy and Andrew's conversation about, we talk about other parts about disability on Saturday too, so get ready for that for episode, who knows what it'll be by then, I haven't decided yet, but but get ready for that, um, well, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, and thank you for having me, this has been an absolute thrill. It was so fun, and I definitely want to chat again, okay? Absolutely, please, Thanks. please do. I definitely will. Thanks so much. All right. Bye. Bye. I really love talking about poo, and this interview with Jeremy Andrew Davis was no exception. I love finding out how poo affects you, and I want you to be able to be a guest on the show. I'd love to bring episodes like this into the feed every couple of weeks, and I'd love for you to be a part of that. If you want to be a part of the Shit is Real episode, consider emailing us at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com, and I'd love to book you in for an interview to find out how poo affects you. Happy Thursday, friends. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you for being here, and thank you for always supporting us, and um, have a great day, hopefully not full of poo, and if it is, that's okay, too. Bye, friends. <laughs>